Amen. It's great to hear you singing out the praises of the Lord. We're going to turn in the Word of God for our Scripture reading, and we're turning to the first book in the Bible. It's the book of Genesis and the chapter 4. The book of Genesis and the chapter 4, and we're going to commence our reading there at the first verse. Genesis 4 and verse 1. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And now art thou cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. And Cain said unto the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from thy face shall I be hid, and I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth. And it shall come to pass that every one that findeth me shall slay me. And the Lord said unto him, Therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, Vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. We land there at verse 16. And may the Lord add his own blessing to this public reading from his own precious and infallible word. I want to welcome. Amen. 
I'd like to give a very warm welcome this morning to our Harvest Thanksgiving, the Reverend Garth Wilson. Our brother is the minister of our church in Sandown Road in Belfast, and we're delighted to have him with us this morning. And we trust that as he comes now to minister God's word, that the Lord will bless him and make him a blessing to each one of us this morning. Thank you, brother. I can ask you please to turn back with me in the Word of God to that portion that the Reverend Kenny read to us from Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4. Let me take this opportunity to thank the Reverend Kenny for the opportunity and the invitation to be here and to join with you for this Harvest Thanksgiving weekend and commend you as well uh, for the beautiful decorations in the church. And we pray the Lord will bless those who helped in that regard. Genesis chapter 4 is where we want to center our thoughts upon this morning, and particularly the words that we have in verse 16. Genesis chapter 4 and the verse 16. We read there, And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. I want us to speak this morning by the help of the Lord, the help that He gives us on the subject of the wrong harvest, the wrong harvest. But before we come to the preaching of the Word of God, let's just tell our hearts, please, in a word of prayer and ask for the Lord to be with us and give us help as we come to His Word just now. Let's pray. Our eternal God and our Father in heaven, we come into Thy presence just now, very conscious again of how much we need Thee. And yet, O oh God, we thank Thee today that our help cometh from the Lord. And our Father, we pray that You'll give help in the preaching, give help, O oh God, in the hearing. We ask, O oh God, that You will be pleased to stand amongst us, we pray. Reveal Thyself to us. And Heavenly Father, we pray that You'll give us the aid of the Holy Spirit, Lord, to understand, Lord, to take in what God the Lord would say to us. We pray, Lord, be pleased to take thy word. Truly, Lord, make it a living word to every heart. O oh God, we pray that you'll, Lord, speak very clearly, very definitely out of the word of God this morning. And Lord, especially to any who are here without the Savior, we ask, O oh God, that you will be pleased, Lord, to open their eyes, open their hearts. O oh God, we pray that today they will receive the word of God. Most of all, they'll receive Christ as he is revealed in the Scriptures of truth. Bless us just now, we pray. Give us help, O God, we ask. Pour your Spirit upon us, we pray. Empty us, Lord, of ourselves. Lord, fill us with the Holy Ghost and fill us with power just now. In the Savior's name and for his eternal glory, we pray all of these things. Amen. Amen. This harvest Thanksgiving weekend, uh, you've met together in this church to give thanks to Almighty God for His bountiful provision and the meeting again of all of our needs in the material realm. Once again this year, God has been good. God has been merciful to us. Seed time and harvest has not failed once again. And this morning as we come to this harvest weekend and this harvest service especially, we come to give thanks for Almighty God, to Almighty God, for His goodness and for His mercy in the meeting of all of our needs materially. 
But this morning, I want us to turn our thoughts to another time when a harvest was brought in, but it wasn't the right harvest, but rather it was a wrong harvest. This morning, I want us to consider for a time the help of God, the the life of Cain, a man who brought a harvest, a man who brought the, the fruit of the land to offer it to God, but it was the wrong harvest. It was not what God had requested. It was not that what God had required. He brought the wrong harvest. He tried to do what he thought was right, but it wasn't what God had asked. And we read those words in Genesis chapter 4 and the verse 16, and Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. Cain brought the wrong harvest. And I want us to consider this morning the the results, the effects of such a wrong harvest. The words in verse 16 are really a very sad and a very solemn testimony. Not the testimony of a delivered life, but rather the, the testimony of a doomed life. The testimony of a life that I trust will strike fear into the hearts of those in this meeting today who are here without Jesus Christ. You've come to thank God today for the meeting of all your needs physically, materially, temporally. And yet you will not bring the the harvest that the Lord desires. You will not bring the harvest of a broken heart, of a contrite heart. You will not come the way that Christ has demanded, and so you bring the wrong harvest. This account of Cain, the firstborn of Adam and Eve, his, his testimony is truly terrifying. He went out from the presence of the Lord. What a sad epitaph it is to be written over any life, going out from the presence of the Lord going away from the Lord. Yes, Cain lived on for some time after this statement was made in in verse 16, but ultimately he died as he lived, still in his sin, still rejecting the way of the true sacrifice, the way of the cross of Christ as his only hope and his only plea. And as a result, he went out from the presence of the Lord, and he was cast out from the presence of the Lord for all eternity. What a sad thing it would be for someone in this harvest thanksgiving service to come to this time as you give thanks to God for all that he has done in the material realm, and yet to go out from the presence of the Lord, having hardened your heart and having rejected the sacrifice of Christ God's Son as your only hope and as your only a means of approach to God. If you're here in this meeting this morning without the Savior, I want you to sit up. I want you to take notice today. I want you to see and learn from the mistakes that Cain made. And I pray that today as we come to this harvest thanksgiving service that you would not only come to give thanks for the physical harvest, but that you would come to give thanks for the spiritual. And that even this morning, before you leave this place, that you would come by faith, repenting of your sin, and come to Jesus Christ. 
May it not be said of anyone today, as it was said of Cain, that they went out, went away from the presence of the Lord. As we consider this chapter 4 together, I want us to see, first of all here, that there is a promising start. A promising start in this chapter. Cain had such a promising start. In fact, his early life was full of hope, full of expectation. It brought much hope. Cain was not just the the firstborn of Adam and Eve. He, He was the first of all firstborn, the first birth recorded in Scripture. And as such, his birth brought great hope. After Adam and Eve had sinned and God had cast them out from the garden, placed that fiery angel with the sword, barring their re-entrance to that place of paradise, it it seemed there was little hope. There was little by way of a future. They had gone from a place of peace and tranquility to a place of pain and sorrow, hard work and labor. It seemed that all hope was gone. But then as we read in verse number 1 of Genesis chapter 4, that there was hope brought now. The birth of Cain brought hope. Eve was expecting her firstborn, and what a time of excitement and happiness that was. The firstborn, of course, being born into any home is a time of happiness, a time of joy, a time of great excitement. And so into this dark time came a very bright hope. The seed of the woman would continue through Cain, the firstborn. The Lord had been merciful and long-suffering, and now Eve had been blessed as being the first mother, the first to hold a little child, her, her own child in her arms. His name itself shows just how, how blessed and thrilled Eve was at the birth of her firstborn, Cain. It means, I have gotten And Eve gives glory to God for all that she had gotten. I have gotten from the Lord. It was a particular blessing, and it was a real joy to her and to the family and indeed to the world. What a promise, what a new start, what a bright future there was. Cain had the best start in life. He had the potential to make the best of his life. But sadly, he spurned those blessings. He wanted to do his own thing. In the words of verse number 3, between verse 2 and verse 3, there's a a period of time elapsed, but in verse 3 we read, "...under the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord." While the early years of this man are not recorded, yet we believe that he was shown, he was taught that he had to bring a sacrifice. That a sacrifice had to be brought in order to come before the Lord. But as we go through this chapter, we'll see how that Cain rejected the sacrifice that the Lord had given and went his own way and did his own thing. The years of his youth, the years of his growing up, he thought he could do better. He thought that he could do much better than what God had commanded. 
He he had a promising start. And yet he brought the fruit of his own hands. He brought the efforts of his own hands as a way to seek to appease God because he thought he knew better than God. He had a promising start and, and all things seemed so well for him. And yet he thought, I'll do my own thing. And he rebelled against the way of God. He, he rebelled against the commands of God. He rebelled against the instructions of God. I wonder if there's someone here this morning and you've had such a promising start as well. You've been taught in your homes, you've been taught by your parents, taught by your family the things of God. You've been taught what God requires of you. You've been told about the cross. You've been told about the finished work of Christ there on the cross as the the only way that your sins can be forgiven. The only means of approach for you is through Jesus Christ. The only way that you can be accepted is by Jesus Christ, not by anything you have done or I have done, but all that he has done. You've had such a, a promising start And yet, sadly, you have lived a life of rebellion and you've turned away from the things of God. You've turned away from the paths of God. You've turned away from those ways in which you've been instructed, even though you've been blessed with so many spiritual blessings. And tonight, or this morning, finds you here in this place just because it's a harvest service. This morning you're here because this is what you feel you need to do. But your coming to church, while good and commendable though it be, will never be enough in the eyes of God to to save you or to bring you acceptance before Him. Our country is blighted today with those who go the way of Cain, thinking that they can bring to God what they want to bring, how they want to bring it. And so many today will tell you of the the church that they attend, of the good that they do, and they feel that is enough. If there's someone here this morning and you think that's enough for you, Even though you've been taught from your earliest days and you've been told from this pulpit for all of these years that the only way of acceptance for your soul before God is through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, and yet you've rebelled against it. You don't want to do anything about it. Your heart has been hardened. You've had a promising start. Yet in spite of all that, In spite of all the privileges that you've enjoyed, you're still a sinner. Still rejecting God, still rejecting His Son, and still rejecting the way of salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. For Cain, there was a promising start. But I want us as well to see that for Cain, there was a proud spirit. Because as we come into verse 3 again, 
we see all the hallmarks of a life of sin, a life of rebellion. Cain was proud. He was arrogant. who thought he could do what he wanted, live as he pleased, bring what he thought was good enough. He brought all the fruit of the ground and offering unto the Lord. He was a tiller of the ground, a husbandman. Oh, he could grow things all right. But he thought that he could bring to God the efforts of his own hands, the fruit of his own labors. And in so doing, he manifested a very proud spirit, a very proud heart, a heart that manifested all the depravity and pride of sin. In verse 2, we're told the different occupations of Cain and Abel. Cain was a, a market gardener, one who grew crops. Abel, on the other hand, was a farmer, a keeper of sheep. Both respectable, hard-working occupations. And in verse 3, the process of time, they brought their offering to the Lord. Cain brought of the fruit of the ground. And Abel brought of the first slings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And as we read down in the next few verses, that the Lord had respect in verse 4 unto Abel's offering but not on to Cain's offering. What was wrong with the, the goods that Cain brought? What was wrong with all of the fruit, the veg, whatever it was that, that Cain brought to the Lord? There was nothing wrong with it. Apart from this fact and this very fundamental fact, it was not what God required. It was not what God asked for. The only way of approach through to God was very clearly taught right from the very start of Scripture. When Adam and Eve sinned in Eden, God killed an innocent animal to provide a covering for their nakedness. We see that up in chapter 3 in the verse 21. You see, when God did that, he chose an innocent substitute to atone for the guilty sinner as the only means of acceptance. And there he established a pattern for approaching him that has never changed. Of course, that ultimate sacrifice culminating there at the place called Calvary. But it was through the shedding of innocent blood was the only means of acceptance before God. There's only ever been one way of acceptance, and it's only ever been through the shedding of innocent blood. From Genesis through to Revelation, God's means of cleansing for sin has remained the same, taking the blood of an innocent sacrifice to cleanse for the sinner's sin. Without the shedding of blood, Paul tells us, there's no remission. You see this in Genesis 3.21, but you see it throughout all of Scripture. You, you see it in the book of Exodus, the time of the Passover. And the blood was shed, 
And what provided the covering and what provided the protection for the firstborn in Egypt? It was the blood. And throughout all of Scripture, as I've said, culminating ultimately at Calvary, when the Lord Jesus Christ, the sacrificial Lamb of God, shed His blood as the means of our acceptance before God. We read in verse 4 of chapter 4 of Genesis that He brought the, the firstlings of the flock means the best. The fact thereof, it speaks of careful preparation. Abel carefully selected the very best that he had. He took time to prepare the sacrifice. He brought it before the Lord. He offered it by faith. It appears that Abel went out of his way to bring a sacrifice that was pleasing to God. You see, Abel's sacrifice was what God commanded. Abel's sacrifice was what God required. It was only typical. It wasn't going to cleanse his sin. But it pointed to the one who would, the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul writing to the Hebrew believers Speaking about this very sacrifice of, of Abel, he said, By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts. He brought a more excellent sacrifice. You see, whenever Abel brought his offering of the firstlings of the flock, he was saying, I believe the Lord. But let's come back then to Cain. Cain, on the other hand, brought the fruit of the ground. He brought his own efforts. He brought what he had grown. He brought what he had harvested. And when Cain brought that offering to the Lord, there in verse number 3, he says, he's saying to the Lord, I know what you've said, but here's what I'm going to give you anyway. You see, Cain's sacrifice was an act of false worship. He said, my, will, my way and my work will just be as good as yours. And how many people today have got that same mindset? They don't want to come to Jesus Christ, trust Him and Him alone for salvation. They believe that their own efforts are enough, will be enough. But it'll not be enough. Because there is no other way that your sin can be atoned for but through the blood of Jesus Christ. By faith, faith alone in that blood. You see, what Cain was doing, bringing his own efforts, his own work, his own labor, 
was acknowledging just the pride of his heart and saying to the Lord, I'm doing it my way. This is what I think is good enough. And what he was doing, he was rejecting God's way. He was rejecting the blood atonement. He was rejecting the way of God. Oh, sinner, today, may you sit up and notice, as you sit in this meeting, here you are at another harvest Thanksgiving service, thanking the Lord for all he has done. And yet, and yet, you will not, by faith, receive Jesus Christ. You will not trust him and him alone to save your soul. You think you can come to God your way. You even think today that perhaps by sitting in Hillsborough Free Presbyterian Church is enough to merit you some mere favor and merit with God. What are you doing? You're bringing the works of your own hands. That's false worship. That's idolatry. That's saying to God, I know better than you. I don't need the way of the cross. I don't need the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm good enough. Is there someone here this morning and you think you're good enough? You're good enough to get to heaven the way you are. Oh, you don't do anybody any harm. You do good as far as you can. All those things are commendable. But have you ever by faith trusted Jesus Christ and him alone for salvation? Outside of Christ, there is no salvation. You'll not find it in this church. You'll not find it in any church. You'll not find it in your church attendance by your good living. You'll find salvation Forgiveness, cleansing, only in Jesus Christ. Will you come to him today? Oh, that today you would be done with that proud spirit, thinking that what you are is enough, how you're living is enough. The Lord will accept nothing else the sacrifice of his son as a cleansing for your sin. And all the labors of your hands that you will try to bring to him, and all those things that you will seek to tell him that you think are good enough in your mind will never be good enough. Those frightening words, speaking of the day of judgment, when those whom the Lord casts out into outer darkness, and they'll say, Lord, Lord, do you not know the things I have done for you? Do you not know all the good that I have done? And yet the Lord will cast such out into outer darkness because they haven't trusted his son, his work, alone for salvation. What can wash away my sin, nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. 
And as you sit in this meeting today, tell me what it is that you're depending upon for salvation. What is it today that you're depending upon to get you into heaven? Because if it's not the blood of Jesus Christ, then today you're lost, you're on your way to hell. You bring the wrong harvest. You bring the fruits of your own labors. You bring to God what you think is enough. And yet it will never be enough. He will accept nothing but faith. The atoning sacrifice and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Cain revealed his lost condition through an unbelieving heart. Through a proud, haughty spirit, thinking, I know more. And I know better than God. He went his own way. He did his own thing. He thought that what he could do was enough. Scriptures tells us that there is a way that seemeth right. A way that seemeth right unto man, but the ends thereof. The ways of death. There's someone this morning and you think that you're on the right way. By your uprightness of life. By the moral standards that you abide by. By the good that you do. You think it's right. Those things will never be enough to save your soul. Those things will never be enough to merit you any favor with God. The only merit that you can gain before God, the only work that he will accept, is not the works of your hands or mine, but the work of his Son, that place called Calvary. When he gave his life, when he shed his blood, that you might be saved. If you're a proud spirit, like Cain had, oh, that today, by the grace of God, that you would be humbled. You'd be brought to that place of confession, brought to that place where you realize your need of Him. You'd be done with your sin and come to Christ. Cain, he had a promising start. He also had a proud spirit. But finally, as we close this morning, I want us to think of a a profound statement here. A profound statement. Verse 16. Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. What a sad summary of his life. Despite all the privileges, despite the promising start, despite the hard work, it was all in vain. Because Cain did his own thing and turned his back in the way of God. Verse 7, we see how that he's rejected the grace of God. In verse 6, we read, And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why has thy countenance fallen? 
Verse 7, if thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. Do you see the grace of God? God was extending to him another opportunity. Cain was angry that God did not accept his offering of the fruit of the ground. God was giving him another opportunity to realize the error of his ways. Verse 7, if thou doest well. In other words, if you accept the blood atonement, if you accept the finished work, if you come the only way, the way that I have commanded, it will be well with you. But he rejected that. He rejected that. He rejected the grace of God. Grace made all the more startling when we read in verse 5 that unto the offering of Cain God had no respect. How long-suffering, how merciful, how gracious God had been. Yet he rejected it. Turned his back on it. Oh, how many times, how many times have you rejected the grace of God? When God in His grace has given you another opportunity to see the error of your ways, to realize that you're on the wrong way, and to realize that you need to get Christ's way and get the way of the cross. How many times have you been told how often have you heard your need to be saved and yet you still reject it? Rejecting God's grace. And the Spirit of God has been striving with you and yet you've rejected it. Just as Cain did. In the New Testament, little book of 1 John chapter 3 and the verse 12 we read, not as Cain, who was of that wicked one and slew his brother. Cain went on to be the first murderer, shedding blood, but rejecting the blood sacrifice of Jesus Christ as his only hope, his only plea. Sinner, in this meeting this morning without the Savior, you're guilty of trampling under your feet the blood of Jesus Christ. You're trampling beneath your feet because of your proud, hard heart the sacrifice of Christ there on the cross as your only means of salvation. What a sad, sad thing to do. What a tragic thing it is for anyone to reject, having been told and told so often. And turned away from the grace of God. Remember the words 
spoken on a little later in this first book. God spoke to the people in Noah's day when he said, My spirit shall not always strive. God was gracious to Cain. God was good to Cain, even though he had rejected him. But then we read those awful words in verse 16, he went out from the presence of the Lord. Okay, and from a human point of view, went on to do great things in his life. Set up the first city. Great builder, he is recognized as the instigator of world culture and civilization. But all of those earthly things, they didn't make any difference to his standing before the Lord. He went out from the presence of the Lord. The firstborn. Cast out. Because he rejected the grace of God. He rejected the way of salvation. He rejected the only thing that would gain him acceptance before God. He went out unrepentant. Still with a hard heart. He went out unforgiven. He went out unsaved. He went out from the presence of the Lord to be cast out into a lost eternity in hell forevermore. In spite of all the privileges he had, in spite of all the opportunities he was given, he brought the wrong harvest. And he reaped the whirlwind of God's wrath for that harvest. Sinner, in this meeting this morning, may you not be foolish, proud as Cain was, but may you humble your heart. May you realize that there's nothing that you can do to gain you any acceptance before God. You realize today it's all what Christ has done for you at that place called Calvary. He shed his blood. He gave his life that you might be saved. Don't bring the wrong harvest. Bring the harvest of a broken, contrite, repentant heart to God. You come to him, confessing your need of him, calling on to him for his forgiveness, trusting him and him alone. He will save you. He will save you. And make this harvest weekend the greatest weekend in your life. This day, this Lord's day, the greatest day, when you by faith receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. Don't bring the wrong harvest. Come to God through Christ. And he will accept what he has done for you at that place called Calvary. Come trusting. Come depending. 
on the blood. Let's bow in prayer. Eternal God and our Father, we thank Thee for Thy Word. We ask, O God, that today there will be those in this meeting who will, Lord, be challenged, convicted by the Spirit of God. God forbid that there should be any like Cain today, proud, believing, Lord, that they're good enough, rejecting the only way that God has commanded, the only way that God has ordained. Heavenly Father, we pray that you'll bring someone the way of the cross today. Bring them to thyself. Save, O God, we pray. Do it for thy glory and do it for thine honor alone. In the name of Christ, we ask all of these things. Amen.